podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Phillips Laven of the 1012 Podcast here. Have you been listening to this show for a while and thought, you know, if that guy can do this, then so can I? Well, you're, you're probably right. And it's worth giving a shot. The one question you're going to ask yourself is, how do I get my podcast out for everyone to listen to on iTunes, on Spotify? Well, you're going to need a hosting site. And if I may make a suggestion, go with Anchor. It's easy and it's free, which is great for podcast hobbyists uh, who aren't exactly expecting this to make a lot of income, especially starting out. Anchor is fantastic. Anchor by Spotify is the easiest way to make a podcast with everything you need in one place. It has the tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. And when hosting on Anchor, you can distribute your show on listening platforms like we mentioned Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and more. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. And again, it is totally free. It's fantastic. It is what we use. And if it's what we use, it's what we're going to suggest to others. So download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Again, that is the Anchor app or anchor.fm to get started with your podcast. Any better way to start a week than by burying the hatchet? There is, I don't know what it is. I am Philip Slavin, and this is the 1012, the podcast that covers all 10 teams in the Big 12 Conference. Yes, boys and girls, ladies and gentlemen, children of all ages, we are back on a Monday. We have been absent for a few Mondays. I do apologize. We've had a lot of issues. Skype is gone. We'll use it to communicate now and then. Call note is pretty well finished. Chris is going to use it some, but I'm using a new piece of software. Very excited about it. It's called Zoom. And so far, it's worked pretty well. Used it last week with our Kyle Boone interview for uh, for men's Big 12 basketball. Use it today for my interview with Brian Gilbert of the 10 Out of 12 podcast. So for those who don't know, there's a, another podcast whose name, if you look at it on Twitter, looks like 1012 podcast. It was brought to my attention. My immediate reaction was um, throw down, toss the gauntlets, pick up our swords, let's duel, let's battle, uh, let's finish this like men. Or at least like two drunk guys at a bar. Uh, but then I listened to his show and, and got to talking with him. And after some fun banter on Twitter, I decided to have him on the show. He's a really cool guy. Does a really great job with his show. It's a nice little 20-minute every few day podcast. If you uh, if you haven't, you should go check it out. Uh, make sure not replace mine with his, please. I would appreciate that. So he's on the show today. We're going to recap the weekend. You know, for, for there only being three games, we found a way to talk about it for like 30 minutes. So I'm not going to go long here. Uh, we will, uh, we've got a few things coming this week. We'll have a big game preview on Wednesday. That is back. Lots of basketball this week. College basketball starts this week. Games that actually matter. Things kick off on Tuesday. Baylor, Kansas, Texas Tech, Texas, Iowa State, OU, Kansas State, all in action on Tuesday. Kansas facing Duke, which is huge and will be a ton of fun on Tuesday. It's a lot of games, and if you want to watch them all this season, including Baylor's game against Central Arkansas and Kansas State's game against North Dakota State on Tuesday, you're going to have to have ESPN+. Plus. It's the only way to watch those games, and they're not the only ones this week. Oklahoma State season opener on Wednesday against Oral Roberts. That's right. You need ESPN+. Plus. That's the deal. You have to have it. No ifs, ands, or buts about it. So 
If you're not enrolled yet, if you don't have ESPN Plus, it's time to do so. Go to our Twitter account at 1012podcast, T-E-M, the number 12, the word podcast. Go there. There's a tweet pinned to the top. Click that link. Get yourself signed up. It helps the show out. I appreciate it. Chris appreciates it. We all appreciate it. Gets you the normal $4.99 rate. It just benefits us, just being blunt, just being upfront. Uh, we would we would, we would would love if you would do that. So get yourself signed up. Don't miss any of the Big 12 men's basketball, women's basketball, women's soccer tournament, which is going on. Like first round was on Sunday. Next round is Friday. Championships on Sunday. ESPN Plus. Just go ahead and get signed up for it. Get all the awesome Big 12 now action. Have it right there. Easy to watch all basketball season long. Week 10 is in the books. Three Big 12 games to talk about. And, okay, so as as we said, last week we were supposed to have an episode and the technical difficulties screwed us again. Like, it's... It's getting a little bit weird. So we've switched systems, and hopefully this time it works. You'll know because you'll be listening to this. And if you're not listening to it, then this joke doesn't matter. i uh, very excited to have a, a special guest today, uh, Ryan Gilbert of the 10 of, tw- 10 of 12, 10 out of 12. It's 10 of 12. 10 out of 12. 10 out of t- Man, like, uh, okay. So the, here's the thing that happened. So someone pointed out his show to me, his Twitter account, to me, and I was like, uh, WTF, because it looked like it was like 10, 12 podcasts, and I was very confused as to how someone else also came up with the idea of the name 1012, which I thought was super clever when I came up with it, only to learn that his is called 10 out of 12, not 1012, despite the fact that Twitter handles look very similar. After a brief, I don't want to say dust up, like that's probably the most, it's like two guys like kind of like nodding heads at each other from like across the bar, like is this something going to go down? No? Cool, buy that man a beer. And here we are. Uh, So Ryan, welcome to the 1012 podcast. Thank you so much for, for having me on here. Hopefully there's no bad blood with me. You know, I may or may not have stolen that name from you, but uh, tomato, tomato, right? <laughs> I mean, it's it's all good. Second time's a charm, hopefully today. We tried this last week. It didn't work out. We're going to try it again because, hey, I have listened to your show a few times, and that was a big part of me being like, oh, this guy does a good job. Worst thing that could happen is people confuse his show with mine and, and then listen to me more and yeah, blah, blah, blah. So... <laughs> Happy to have you here. Three games this past weekend. Let's start with the the Thursday night special, the Baylor-West Virginia game that was pretty gross, to be perfectly honest. And I, I'm curious your – I don't want to recap every game. So let's just kind of talk about what is your one big takeaway from that game, from either side. Ooh, biggest takeaway for me would be the lack of offense for West Virginia. That would be my answer. I mean, obviously the ugly game, like you said, you know, the defense did their job for West Virginia. The offense just couldn't really do anything. And I guess maybe the other takeaway would be Baylor's defense. They are pretty much legit. So that's my takeaway. Yeah. The, like, Neil Brown is a good coach. I really believe that. But West Virginia has scored 14 points in their last three games. against Iowa State, Oklahoma, and Baylor. And I know, look, look, Iowa State's good. OU is good. Baylor is good. But they've scored 14 points. Um, the fact that they scored 31 against Texas tells you how beat up Texas a defense is when that game. But part of the problem to me here is how did Lincoln Riley convince us all that Austin Kendall was in a legitimate battle for the starting quarterback job with <laughs> Kyler Murray? Because nothing I've seen from Austin Kendall tells me he was even in the same like continent as far as Kyler Murray was. Yeah, he's in a little bit of a better system in Norman. But yeah, I agree with you. He really just... You know, obviously head and shoulders 
well, I wouldn't say he's under, but obviously OU, Jalen Hurts is head and shoulders above everyone else, so it's easier to look at him, but still, yeah, I'd pretty lost about that one as well. We knew there'd be some growing pains here. West Virginia still has a game against Texas Tech coming up that's a, you know, maybe they can get a win there and, and avoid the basement of the Big 12. That that battle for the basement between Texas Tech, Kansas, and West Virginia is kind of interesting. Like, I feel like all three teams are decent. I feel like the bottom of the Big 12 is the best it's been in a while, but they've all got some some massive issues. And West Virginia, to me, is the, the biggest one. That that offense is, is bad. And it stinks because you came away from that game going, the defense is pretty solid. I believe in Neil Brown as a coach, that he had that team prepared, ready to go on the road and fight Baylor. And they did. I mean, they gave Baylor everything they could, and the offense just couldn't st- just did, couldn't do its part. I mean, literally, all you had, 14 points and you lose by three. One one more touchdown. That, that's all you Just anything. And the offense just couldn't do anything. So I, I feel bad for West Virginia. I think I'm kind of done really – breaking down West Virginia the rest of the season. I think most West Virginia fans are ready to move on to basketball season because, I mean, football season is done. As for Baylor, um, stay undefeated, looking real good. Got got a big rivalry game this coming week against TCU. But, I mean, I think the Bears are good. I still don't think their offense is just – the offense is not what you expect from the Big 12. I know they put up a bunch of points against Oklahoma State. A lot of that came in the fourth quarter when OSU just couldn't – just fell apart. Um I am curious what OU or Baylor does when they run into a legit offense. They haven't. I don't think they faced a great offense yet. The defense has been good. I'll be really curious about that game between them and Oklahoma when they actually get tested to see. I know Baylor fans are like, how many wins do we have to get before you believe in us? I believe in Baylor, but also saying that Baylor hasn't played anybody like OU is is an honest statement. Yeah, and Baylor, you know, I'm really iffy on them. Pretty much every game they've had, looking at the schedule here, they've all been iffy. I mean, you go back to that game at K-State was a big margin of victory. It was still kind of an ugly game. Barely squeaking past Tech in Oklahoma State and West Virginia. I mean, even going back to the non-con, they can barely beat Rice. So I've, I've really not sold on them quite yet. Um, if they were to play in a New Year's Six Bowl right now, I think they would pretty much get dominated by whoever they would play. I don't think they're – they're obviously a better team in the Big 12, but they haven't shown – anything to me that they're elite I think they can maybe hang with TCU this weekend but when they play OU even though it's in Waco I don't really see them having much of a chance in that game yeah I'm excited for rivalry games TCU Baylor should be uh should be a fun one though it's not as good ever since they got rid of you know that one asshat who was their head coach but he's gone now trying to playing coaching high school football and having players ruled ineligible and having to forfeit games that they won because yeah of course he is Let's talk about your game. You're a Kansas State guy. Uh, Wildcats went to Lawrence in what was probably the biggest game in Lawrence in a long time. Sellout crowd. Packed. Kansas is feeling good. Les Miles is calling out, who is Kansas State? I loved all of the Jeopardy jokes that I saw on Twitter after that quote uh. leading up into this game. <laughs> and then Kansas just goes and completely lays an egg. I mean, if ever there was a time for Kansas to to have a game, even if you lose to have a good game, that was it, and they didn't. And I came away less l- less impressed by Kansas than I was more impressed by Kansas State. What was what was your kind of takeaway from a Kansas State side from from that game? Yeah, I like how you said that. You're less impressed by Kansas, more. Or, did I say that right? You were less impressed by K State's win, but more. Or, oh man, take three. You know what I'm trying to say. What you said was great, and Kansas, <laughs> it was like, wow, I didn't expect them 
to play that bad. But, you know, Kansas State, they shot themselves in the foot, had a lot of penalties this game. So this game could have been a much bigger blowout than it was. Uh, the biggest kind of takeaway for me was the option game that Kansas State was was going with, and that's something we really haven't seen at all this year. And Chris Kleiman and his squad saw something, you know, watching film during the week, and it worked, and it was great. Obviously, Harry Trotter had to step up in a big role for K-State, but that crowd, obviously, it was a sellout the first time in, what, 10 years? But yeah. it was half red, half blue, and then the other half was, like, purple. So, I mean, sure, it was a sellout, but I don't think Kansas really had that much to do with it. I mean, I waited in line for like half an hour. They they just the, the bathroom lines were crazy. You know, they're not used to having any crowd like that ever, and it really showed. And I feel bad for Kansas because they really were like there was some hype going around Lawrence after these past couple of weeks, and they really just could not have played worse. K State, give them credit, they came prepared. I still don't think K State's that good of a team, even though most people will disagree with me. Uh, like you said, I am a K-State guy, so obviously I, I know them a lot more than maybe another Big 12 team, but I still try to remain as neutral as I can be, you know, as a fan or as, you know, covering these teams. And even like, you know, people were, I was wearing my purple, people were yelling at me, you know, bleep K-State, all this stuff. I'm like, you know what, I I cover K-State or KU as well, so don't hit on me too much. But, uh, <laughs> but you know, long story short, it was it was a good time in Lawrence and it was good to see K-State win. And really something that I haven't seen ever was a sellout in Lawrence besides basketball. Yeah, I, I wouldn't, again, that K-State won, obviously, but 11 penalties for 113 penalty yards. Um, yeah. They ran for 342. I mean, they they just ran all over Kansas. Kansas couldn't do a thing to stop Kansas State's rushing game. But, but again, I come away from it. Like, I realize that Kansas State right now looks like, record-wise and based off rankings, the third best team in the Big 12. And it's not that I don't think it's not that I, I don't believe Kansas State is good. I'm just not sure I'm bought all in on Kansas State being the third best team. But the problem with that is I'm not sure who I think the third best team in the Big 12 is at this point. It, it It's not Texas because they're not healthy. A healthy Texas, sure. Um, Iowa State's been too inconsistent. Kansas State's been good, but I, it's hard to erase those two awful performances against Oklahoma State and Baylor from my memory. I don't know that Kansas State's the third best team, but I'm also not sure that there's anyone else who is playing better than they are right now. Yeah, it's really hard to tell. I think maybe at the end of the season, a team I wouldn't be surprised to see in third would be Oklahoma State. I think they maybe have gotten their growing pains out of the way. And obviously a big question mark this weekend with Wallace out for the rest of the year. Who's going to step up? Obviously, Chuba Hubbard, what we've been seeing all year, he did his thing. I think they've kind of, they got their growing pains out of the way. They're winning games now. I think that Oklahoma State could be that third place team. I don't think K State's going to be it, but you know what? It's like who else is going to take it if it's not Oklahoma State or Iowa State? Like you said, it might just be K State, and that shows you the Big Twelve is so weird because it, the bottom is so heavy, but the top is kind of just eh, in my opinion. Obviously, besides Oklahoma, but it's going to be really interesting to see come you know December time who's going to be at the top. I think Baylor, Oklahoma are two one respectively. Number three is it's really up for grabs here. So let's talk about that Oklahoma State TCU game for a minute. Um, obviously, Oklahoma State getting the win. I, I, yep. I cover Oklahoma State when I'm not covering Big Twelve as a whole, and I, I, I've come away from from the team the last couple weeks, and really even the Baylor game. I know what the final score of the Baylor game was, but if you if you listen to me before, I say this: it was a close game to the fourth quarter, and the Oklahoma State offense just fell apart. Spencer Sanders reverted into all of his bad habits, and Baylor was able to just run away with it. And and make it look like a blowout. People kept going, oh, Baylor blew out Oklahoma State. In the fourth quarter, yes. The rest of the game, no. 
And I felt like Oklahoma State's been improving and improving and improving. But I come away from both games going, okay, they, they beat Iowa State despite the fact that Iowa State probably had the better performance two weeks ago. They, they beat TCU this week by seven points despite forcing four turnovers in that game. It, it, it doesn't feel like Oklahoma State's turned some corner and it's suddenly just great. But it does feel like Oklahoma State's kind of getting back to what they used to do, which was finding ways to win close games. Oklahoma State had some streak for a while, and I, and I should know this, but I don't remember the exact stat was. They were like 8-1 and one in, in, in one-score games. Like they had some insane record of one-score games. They would win them. They would find a way to win. And it feels like they're kind of starting to, to, to get some of that back when they don't fall apart. Spencer Sanders is playing well. Chuba Hubbard's having a Heisman-worthy season. Like, I don't want to hear about Jonathan Taylor and J.K. Dobbins. They play better defenses. Yeah, they also have far superior offensive lines. Like, shut up and go go over there, Big Ten fans. But it, it does feel like they've turned something of a corner. But I, I, it's the same problem I have with, Oklahoma, with, like, Kansas State and Iowa State. Do I think OSU could end the season as the third-best team? Yes, but I'm... I'm still not fully sold on what they are yet either. I'm curious just from a, from a non-OSU kind of outside perspective, what, what do you think of OSU at this point? Well, like even going into Ames you know, the other week, I thought they were going to win. Did I think they were going to win the way they did? No way, Jose, but they still, a win's a win. But like they're not hitting home runs. They're hitting home runs and they're hitting grand slams in the bottom of the ninth, two outs, bases loaded, World Series. That's the type of scoring plays you know they've been getting. You can't really bank on those to happen every game they have been mm-hmm. happening mm-hmm. but if you're Mike Gundy I do think he's one of the best coaches in the Big 12 personally and you know, like a win's a win it doesn't matter how you get them but you know eventually your luck is it's going to run out at some point and you've got to start playing I'm not going to say better football but you can't just be relying on these home runs yeah it's a very boomer bust offensive either they're hitting 50 plus yard scoring plays uh, with Chuba or I mean Thailand's gone now for Dylan Stoner or the offense is just stalling. You don't see a lot of long drives for OSU right now. You're seeing a lot of just the tube is open. Bye. Just just <laughs> stop and watch him go because you're never going to catch up to him at all. So obviously TCU get the loss. They're four and four now. Uh, let's let's kind of talk about this. At this point, the Big Twelve has four bowl eligible teams: Oklahoma, Baylor, both bowl eligible; Kansas State, Oklahoma State, picking up their their sixth win this past weekend. We have Texas, who's got five wins, and Iowa State, who's got five wins. And I, I, I feel like both of them are going to find a sixth victory, victory on the schedule and go to a bowl game. After that, there's four teams left. And just to be blunt, Kansas and West Virginia, I don't, I, they're, they're not going to a bowl game this year. They're not finding six wins. Yep. Texas Tech's three and five. It would be very, very difficult for them, but the schedule, if they can figure some things out, off this is idle week. Um, they get West Virginia on the road. They get TCU at home. They've got Kansas State, and they've got to go to Texas. It's not three obvious wins, but it's not out of the realm of possibility for them to find a way to turn a corner and get three. So I'm not going to count them out yet, but I will if they lose to West Virginia. So realistically, that leaves TCU. They're 4-4, four and four, four games to go. Baylor this weekend at Texas Tech, at Oklahoma, and West Virginia. At this point, what do you give TCU's bowl chances? Like what, what's the percentage chance you give of TCU finding two more wins and getting to a bowl game? Uh, I would go with, man, that's tough. I would say it's about 50-50 right now. I mean, you would think that they can beat West Virginia and Tech, but if they don't get those wins, then it's pretty much down to zero. Obviously, going back to that point earlier, that third-place team in the Big 12, I mean, hot take here, it could be TCU. They've already got their growing pains out of the way, maybe you would hope. You know, Duggan's another freshman quarterback in this league. 
could be them. Who knows? But as, to answer your question, I'd go with 50-50 because obviously two very winnable games and then two games that you're probably standing no chance in. I'll, I'll say this. Baylor's been – we can talk about Baylor being in all these really close games, but they've won these close games, and they seem to have found a way this year to to, to be okay and be comfortable in close games. And part of that's Charlie Brewer just seems to be cool as a cucumber under pressure that when it comes down to the end of the game, if they need to make something happen to win, they're going to make something happen to win. But this TCU-Baylor game this week really intrigues me because that rivalry game is interesting. And it's two teams where like, we could have another 17-14 kind of game with the way these two defenses play. I, I'm with you. I think I'm 50-50, and I, and I don't think I can give a real fair judgment until that Texas Tech. Look, if they lose the next two, they're done. They're not beating OU and West Virginia. I just I just don't see that, especially not OU in North. But I, I, I do feel, I say 50-50, I'm going to give them about a 65% chance because I do feel good about them going on the road to Texas Tech and getting a win and playing West Virginia at home and getting a win. And, you know, weird things happen. They do. Like, we've already seen Kansas State beat Oklahoma. No shot at Kansas State, but the way that game went was just who saw that coming. So I think they're going to find a way to do it. I think the Big 12 sends uh, seven teams to bowl games this year. I still think Texas Tech has a shot. I'm not giving up on my preseason pick of Texas Tech getting to a bowl game until after this week. It's all about if they beat West Virginia. If they lose to West Virginia, it's done. If they beat West Virginia, I'm going to I'm gonna hold on to that sliver of hope, that sliver of hope. Yeah, T- our Texas Tech, there is still – you know, still a chance for them. Uh, I would love to see, love to see seven teams get in, but time will, you know, time will tell here. A couple of weeks. I don't see the Big Twelve losing any coaches in this offseason to being fired. Right, you, you four brand new coaches this year, all have done at least what was expected or surpassed in the case of of Kleiman. I don't see any openings as far as you know. Gundy's not going anywhere. Lincoln's from a firing standpoint, no one's no one's on a hot seat. We've already seen the Rutgers job is open. I've, no one's leaving Rutgers, but the Florida State job is now open. <laughs> Willie, Willie Taggart is out. Um, I, I think there'll be a couple of Big 12 names on the checklist after they get finally get Urban Meyer to tell them, no, I'm not coming. After they get Bob Stoops to tell them, no, I'm not coming, because um, those aren't going to happen, but they're going to deal with them for two weeks anyways, and blah, 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 blah. The question is once the dominoes start falling elsewhere. There's a good chance that USC is going to probably let Clay Helton go. That job's going to be open. And again, while I don't think that – I don't see a Matt Rule or or a or a Matt Campbell at USC, that doesn't seem like a good fit. I don't see either of them at a Florida State, though I think Matt Rule would kill at Florida State. I don't think they'd enjoy it very much because it's not a high-powered offense, but it's really good defense. My curiosity for you, though, is this, is if other – jobs come open because of those you know you think florida state's going to take a sitting head coach you think usc is going to take a sitting head coach somewhere we're not they're not going after some some g5 guys although i do like mike norvell at memphis an awful lot and think someone has has got to go try and convince him to leave memphis at some point do you see a scenario of dominoes falling anywhere where a big 12 coach could leave for another job somewhere else in college football well, I think the front runner for that would be Tom Herman in my case, just because he's really underperformed. I mean, Texas has been pretty much overrated year after year. The idea of Matt Rule leaving is really, really intriguing to a bigger school, but he did just sign that big deal, so I don't really see him going anywhere. I mean, Matt Campbell, I think he's happy that in Ames, Iowa. I don't see anyone leaving. Um, you probably, I mean, you know more about you know the national college football scene than I do from what you just said. I don't see anyone leaving. That's just my take. Yeah, I 
Matt Campbell's name gets brought up every year, and I don't buy it. I, Campbell, I think, A, enjoys being in Ames. B, he's got a lot of power there. And the more he continues to win, the more power he will accrue in Ames. Um, I don't think he's in any hurry to leave, and I don't think he has to leave unless there's a job opening that's just a dream job for him. And I know everyone brings up um, Big Ten jobs. Look, if Ohio State opened up tomorrow and they came at Matt Campbell, I would tell Iowa State, I'm very sorry, but you're probably going to lose him. I've heard the scenario of USC going and trying to poach James Franklin from Penn State and Penn State looking at Matt Campbell. I think that would be something that would be very interesting. But I'm not... The biggest thing with me with Matt Campbell is he just feels like he has unfinished business there. Like It feels like he wants to win the Big 12. And until he does that or things just go south, he's not going to be leaving Ames unless a a Michigan or an Ohio State or or a job of that ilk open up. I don't think he's just—he's not going to leave for a, a, a Minnesota. I mean, even if Michigan State opens up, a lot of talk about whether or not D'Antonio will, will still be there. I don't even know if he leaves for Michigan State because I don't—I just— your expectations are higher. Yeah, the pay's higher, but there's, it's so much more demanding. Is, do the Iowa State fans want to win? Does the school want to win? Yes. Are the expectations higher there, higher there than they've been in a while because of what he's done? Yes. But do I? I can't imagine they're on the level of a Michigan State or Ohio State. And and I think that for some coaches, and there's nothing wrong with that, that's a good thing. Like, I don't need to be walking to the office every day and be asked, why haven't you won a national championship yet? Well, because I've been here one day. And they're like, well, that's an excuse. And that's just kind of how it feels at some of those programs. I just don't know that Matt Campbell's bolting for anything other than, and we don't know what it is, the perfect job for him outside of Ames. Yeah, I mean, this season, it's not a wash, but they've already lost three games. They're not really going to go anywhere too special in the bowl season. So, you know, it's kind of like you said, just he wants to keep winning and winning or trying to get to that winning, you know, win the Big 12, go somewhere, you know, around New Year's Six time or something like that. He hasn't got there yet. And I think until he gets there, his job, I don't think he's going anywhere. Tom Herman, that's an interesting one. I realized that, I mean, man, you just won 10 games and won a Sugar Bowl last year. And I understand that they aren't living up to what people thought they would be this year. They're not back. But in his defense this year, and I'm not the biggest Tom Herman fan, so I really don't want to have to defend Tom Herman, so I don't appreciate being put in this position. But, (laughs) I mean, the problem right now is he doesn't have anybody on defense. That defense is so unhealthy. There are so many players out for that team and have been all season. Like, I realize that's part of college football. But there's, there's a point where you just kind of have to go, what can you do about it? Like, you can only have so many people on the roster. And even with the recruiting they have, like, they're so beat up and battered, they just can't stop teams very well. And I don't know that you can necessarily be like, oh, he should be on the hot seat just because a team can't stay healthy. Like, that happens. I also think, no offense, they were a year ahead of schedule. Like, last year, they should not have been that good. Statistically, if you go look at Bill Connolly's numbers, I don't care where they may have finished in the rankings. Bill Connolly had them ranked down in like his his metrics had them down in like the thirties because they was they just they won games too many games that they really shouldn't have won. Whereas you know the year before that they lost a lot of games that they probably should have won, and it's just it was so fluky, and it it feels like he doesn't have it set at Texas yet. Like it's still. This should have been a year that they've had a, a kind of a, a real breakthrough, but those injuries have derailed it. I I get the feeling next year is the year where they finally just things click, that the system's in place, the guys are there. I just, I have a hard time holding against him. I, he's, a, he's an ass, but I have a hard time holding against him this season 
when you have the injuries that they have had on both sides of the ball. Yeah, it's one thing when your team is just not good, and another thing when you're having injuries, and it's really not an excuse. They are really beat up. I totally do agree with you on that. I saw them twice last year, once in Manhattan in a game that K-State, I mean, they literally just should have won. I don't know if you remember this game or not, but I do know that you probably remember the game versus Oklahoma State when he had that absolute you know, temper tantrum at the end of the game with Mike Gundy screaming at him. So I don't know what you think about that, but it makes me just lose respect for him. I mean, there's no excuse for that at all. But like you said, you know, they are beat up and they are, I don't see him maybe, you kind of maybe just defeated my argument there. I don't see him going anywhere anytime soon. But, you know, we have seen some of these coaches, Charlie Strong, have the maybe shorter end of the leash uh, down there in Austin. Yeah. Again, I don't want to defend Tom Herman. I'm sorry, Texas fans. Like, I don't, it's not a tech, anti-Texas thing. I just, he's just kind of an ass. Like, yeah, I'd, I'd be a bit more of a grown-up, you know. Like, making fun of, of other quarterbacks on the sideline of games, probably not the best look. Like, it's bad enough when quarterbacks at OU act like that. You're the head coach at a school. Try and act like one. Just a little bit, please. Yeah. I mean, you know what? He's winning games. Give him credit. But he's he's doing something I couldn't do. So I'm going to stop talking now. <laughs> so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put you on the spot here a little bit. You know, we've had this conversation for most of this episode about – who is the third best team in the Big 12? And, I, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you some, I think there's four options here as to who is going to finish third. I don't think TCU does. I think they've turned a bit of a corner, but I have a hard time seeing them finish better than six and six. Maybe they get to seven and five, but I don't think third place is going to finish seven and five this year. So that leaves Kansas State, Iowa State, Texas, and Oklahoma State. Um, if you had to make a guess right now, looking ahead, which team of those four finishes in third place at the end of the season? I think it's down to K-State and Iowa State. Obviously, they'll play in the last week of the season, so that might be the you know do-or-die game for that third-place spot. But obviously, you think about a team like Iowa State. They've still got Oklahoma and Texas, which coming into the year were supposed to be the two best you know teams. And then they've got KU and K-State right after that. And like I said, coming into the year, Iowa State was supposed to be that third-best team. Obviously, things kind of went south for a bit, and now they're looking a lot better. So I guess to answer that question, you know, I mean, a team like Oklahoma State does maybe excite me a little bit, but I do think Iowa State, I've had to answer the question as much as I want to go against K-State, I got to give it to Iowa State. Okay. I don't I don't hate that pick. They go to Oklahoma this week, that's going to be a tough game. They get Texas yep. at home, Kansas at home, and then they go to Kansas State. I, I, could, I could see that. Um, that's a, that's a tough end-of-the-year schedule. Kansas State with uh, a road game at Texas, West Virginia at home at Texas Tech, and then Iowa State. I, I think Kansas State has a slightly easier schedule just just because I still think Texas Tech is really banged up. I have a hard time seeing Tech – or um, Texas is still banged up. I have a hard time seeing them beat Kansas State. I, I think Texas is about to – I don't think Texas is going to end well here. Uh, Kansas State at home at Iowa State at Baylor, Texas Tech. This is, I think, at best a seven and five season for Texas. And again, it goes back to injuries. I know I was, the Texas fans aren't going to love that, but it is what it is. Um, and then Oklahoma State, they're off this week. Uh, they get Kansas at home at West Virginia and Oklahoma. To be honest, I, I think it comes down to Kansas State and Oklahoma State. I think it just has to do with the schedules. Um, OSU's got it in them to play a bad game, go to West Virginia and lose a game that they probably shouldn't. I, I, I'm never going to pick OSU to beat OU in Bedlam as an OSU fan. I'm just, I'm not going to do that to myself ever again. I've done it too many times and I'm, I'm not that stupid. Um, you know, if at first just, I'm not going to, I'm not going to, I'm not going to do that upon myself, but 
You look at Oklahoma State at six and three at that schedule left. I can see them finishing eight and four. They've already beat Kansas State. Kansas State at six and two with schedule of Texas, West Virginia, Texas Tech, and Iowa State. It's like we talked about off air. I can see Kansas State winning all four of those. I can see Kansas State going two and two. So I, I think it's going to come down to. I think Kansas State's in the best position to finish third. Um, I mean, it might just come down to tiebreakers with Oklahoma State due to that that game where OSU already won. I think it really does come down to, obviously, your games versus Kansas, your games versus West Virginia. You have to win those games. If you can beat Oklahoma, get that steal of a victory, sure, that's great. But you've, you've got to beat those bottom feeders in the league. You've got to beat KU if you're, if you're Iowa State, if you're Oklahoma State. You've got to beat West Virginia and KU. And then if you're K-State, you've got to beat West Virginia. If you lose those games, then your, your, your third place running is over. Yeah. My big thing is this. I know Texas beat Oklahoma State, but Oklahoma State's already beaten Iowa State and Kansas State. They own a tiebreaker over them if they if they end up in in a situation like that. So I I just this is gonna be interesting. It, it, the middle of the Big Twelve is a big old honking mess, but it is it is gonna be an interesting match to watch as we get to the end of the season. Ryan, man, you have been awesome. I want to say thank you again. I, I, I'm assuming that everyone is getting to enjoy this on their Monday morning drive to work and that the audio works properly and that I'm not having to, you know, scream curse words into a pillow because I don't have a Monday episode again. But, uh, dude, you were great. Do me a favor. For everybody who wants to check out your show, which I, I advise everyone to go and give a listen to, there's multiple episodes a week and they're short and they're really they're really pretty good, Ryan. I, I got to give you full credit there. Uh, but for everybody who wants to go check that show out, where can they do so? Uh, at 10 of 12 podcast on Twitter is where you'll find the links to the Spotify and the iTunes. And then I'm kind of updating stuff like you do, just everything going on around the league. Uh, I would appreciate it very much. And I do, I'm recording this on my end as well. So hopefully tomorrow morning, or I guess as of now, Monday morning, you're listening to this. Hopefully uh, this works. So yeah, thank you so much. I really do appreciate it, Phil. Absolutely, man. Fingers crossed. Uh, Enjoy this week and uh, look forward to the, to the games on Saturday and we'll do this again, man. It's been fun. Yeah, I'll have to have you on uh, one of my episodes for sure. I would love to do that. But thanks again so much. I really do appreciate it. Hey guys, a couple of things before we go. Just a reminder, make sure you're subscribed to the 1012 podcast so you don't miss a single episode during the football season. Two, rate and review the show. Five stars, please. It helps guests get the word out about the show to other people. Plus, we just like to know what you like and don't like. Just if you're going to give us one star, let us know why. We appreciate it. Don't forget, if you want to be part of our first mailbag episode this month, shoot us your question. You can DM us on Twitter, at 1012podcast, T-E-N, the number 12, the word podcast, or you can shoot it to us in an email. That's 1012podcast, T-E-N, number 12, word podcast, at gmail.com. Sports Social Podcast Network.